Welcome back to the M&M Show, guys. It is your hosts, Emily and Michael. What's up? We're excited, you guys. This one's going to be an educational podcast. It's going to be really good. But before we dive in, hopefully you guys notice a sound quality upgrade. All right, guys, we got some new mics. We got some new sound equipment. We got some new software. Hopefully you guys can notice that difference. Um, full disclosure, it was quite the challenge to get to this point. The mics are not easy and they are just plug and plays as you would hope. But it never works out that way, right, guys, in life. Um, there was a lot of frustration. Hopefully, Emily uh, didn't take it too personal. I wasn't yelling at Emily. I was yelling at the mics, frustrated a little bit. Yes, I just laid in the bed and watched TikToks <laughs> while they were set up. <laughs> but hey, we are here. We are set up, and we are about to get in. So today, we are talking about processing emotions versus ruminating in emotions. This is something Emily has taught me a lot about um, because I can get in a little bit of rumination mode. I can get a little bit of ruminating in my anxiety, but Emily's offered some great tips. So I know you guys are going to be- benefit a lot from this episode. So I think we all ruminate. Yeah, totally. From time to time. It's it's a guilty pleasure per se. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, I am excited to talk about this topic. It is something that is so important and so needed. So often I hear people say, how do I feel my emotions but not get overwhelmed by them or swept up in them and spiral in them? And this is really a fine art of of life and learning how to navigate these things. And I want to provide you guys with a foundation and these first steps on how you do this. I think it's important to notice here that it's a very complex thing. And part of learning how to process rather than ruminate takes just practice. It takes action of doing it. And I want to just talk to you guys about the difference between processing and ruminate, ruminating. Okay. So rumination, the visual I give my clients is I tell them, I'm like, I want you to envision a hamster on the wheel. And it's just running and it's sprinting and it's just doing its thing. And it never gets anywhere. It stays in the same spot over and over. And that is how I want you to envision rumination. You're hitting the same negative note over and over again. And you're never actually progressing towards anything, resolving anything, thinking about something different. You're often self-labeling, just really negative vague and your anxiety or depression is saying the same thing in different words (laughs) over and over again okay so that is rumination you guys and processing i call it movement and progression you make progress towards resolution or you begin to think about things differently or you begin to relate to a memory or an experience differently. You're able to challenge these narratives that you've instilled and you begin to move towards a beneficial place. It doesn't have to be perfect, but there's movement towards a sense of relief. So rumination and progression, you guys. We need to know the difference before we we dive into everything else. And, And it's important to note here that rumination is really rigid while processing is more flexible. What do you mean by flexible? When I say flexibility, I mean the ability to think adaptively. I want, what happens a lot when we are ruminating is we're 
and engaging in something called what we therapists call as cognitive distortions. Most people know it as thinking errors. And I actually think it'd be really good for us to run through some of them so we can be familiar with it. But when you're rigid, it's actually a, a, a thinking error. It's all or, nothing, all or nothing thinking. When you look at things in absolutes or black and whites. Whereas when you're an adaptive place, a progressive um, processing place, you have that mental flexibility where you're able to adapt and change and view things in a different way, right? You're not things, things aren't absolute. You're able to see the gray. Um, and a couple of other cognitive distortions that I think are important to mention here is overgeneralization, mental filtering, meaning you're discounting all the positives in your life and you're only noticing the negatives. You're jumping to conclusions. You're giving emotional reasoning of like, I feel like an idiot, so I am an idiot. You're labeling yourself of I'm a loser and you're taking things really personally. There's so many of these cognitive distortions and it's important that we notice that when we're ruminating, you're often engaging in a, in a cognitive distortion. And if you want to look these up more, guys, we can post them for you guys and we can also like post them in the show notes and we can also post them um, on our stories, on our social medias that don't skip therapy. Um, and you can also Google it, quite frankly. So um, and they'll pop up. And that's what I mean by flexibility is your flexibility isn't mo like you have the opportunity to move and in, in an adaptive way in your mind. Yeah, no, I get that. I think when I get caught in rumination um, and I'm caught in these cognitive distortions or thinking errors, whatever you want to call it, it's when I'm stuck and sitting and maybe it's that I'm looking at my computer trying to work on the business, but when I'm sitting versus when I'm outside moving, okay, when I'm walking, when I'm running, and this is why I love running so much is because of this ability that I mean, you talked about moving your thoughts forward, but also you can look at it in a physical lens as well as moving like literally just moving your body, I think allows you to um, get into processing mode. And I think you've mentioned this before. It's the great start to getting out of rumination is just moving. And so maybe you you can't get in your mind yet the, the ability to process in your mind, in your thoughts and all of that. The first step could be literally just moving, getting outside or just getting up and walking around, whether it's in the room, whether it's outside, whether it's running or walking slow or fast, just the fact of moving almost like is it is the activation barrier, right? It gets you started. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of science behind bilateral stimulation of there's even therapies that do it, such as EMDR, and it facilitates an atmosphere that your brain is able to process information more effectively. And movement is one of the best ways to create bilateral stimulation when you walk it's left right left right both sides of the brain are being wired and it's really quite cool and you're absolutely right when when you move it literally propels everything into action and it's that catalyst um and something we often talk about is how to cope effectively and sometimes when we're so deep in rumination our distress level is so high it's at like a seven out of 10 or more that it's hard to logic and reason with ourselves. So even though you know that you're like, I'm losing it, it's hard to 
logically reason with yourself and movement is a great way to bring that intensity down so that way you can process and think through things in a more effective way i love this visual it's what i'm what i'm thinking is is like almost if you can look at a ball of yarn inside your brain and it's just this jumbled ball of yarn and what this bilateral stimulation can do literally i you know as you walk as you're moving left and right it's almost like you're pulling the yarn across your brain in a nice organized you know succinct fashion right you're just laying it nice and straight right across your brain it's that you know that that difference between the jumbled ball yarn versus you know laying it out organized fashion and all that so i love that that visual that we've talked about um with the, with the mdr and, and i've you noticed know, bilateral stimulation yeah and i've noticed too like in my own life, like we were planning last week for a lot of our don't skip therapy stuff. And I was pacing back and forth in the kitchen to help me process and think. I also think about times where in my life where I was in a dark place and I'm not kidding you, I would just walk. I just walked and walked and I would, it's weird because so many of my insights both in like dark times and good times or just things that are concerning me I've actually received them when I'm walking or when I'm moving it's rare that I'm getting it when I'm like laying around or sitting but it's always when I'm in movement the next thing we want to talk to you guys about when it comes to processing and ruminating is understanding the undertone of your thoughts and emotions and what I mean by this is there's two different tones, a love-based and a fear-based tone. I would also say that you can label love as peace. But what I want you guys to, to notice here is when there's a love-based or a peace-based thought, it's going to feel more like processing. It's going to make you feel in your body and in your emotions much more content and whole and peaceful, whereas fear, that's what you it's the classic anxiety it's the pit in your stomach um, and it's that fear-based thought and I wanted to give you guys a few examples here I want you to think that you're on a sports team you just were at your first swim practice and you were the worst one there and you go home and you're like oh my gosh I don't want to be a disappointment to my family I this is so embarrassing I don't want people to think I'm bad at swimming, I'm a loser, and all these different negative thoughts, that is fear-based versus, hey, you know what? I realize I don't actually love competing and swim. I like to just do it for fun. I don't love that atmosphere for myself. There's a different motive and feeling underneath those messages. Another really great example that I love to give is after a job interview. So say you go to a job interview and after we all think about what we said and what we did and how we could be better in that job interview, but a love-based and a fear-based thought process after a job interview is going to sound very different. A love-based or a peace-based thought process is going to notice, okay, what could I do better next time? What did I do well? And it's going to be very logical and it's going to feel very succinct and productive, Versus the rumination sounds like, I sucked, no one's going to hire me, my life's going to fall apart, I'm a pathetic p excuse for a man, um, all these negative things. 
why did I say that? I can't believe I stuttered. Did I answer that good enough? And, and then you're going to notice that when you start to ruminate any of these fear-based thoughts, they linger and they follow you. And then it's two hours later and you're still thinking about that dumb thing you said in the job interview because the tone and the motive behind what you're saying was fear-based rather than love-based. And so what's important here is we understand and can differentiate between the two and that we're able to pivot into a, a more love-based place or a peace-based place than fear. I, uh, as you're giving these examples, I'm just thinking about all the times in my life that I've done that. Oh, maybe starting today, uh, yesterday, you know, <laughs> doing these things all the time. Um, we can all do it. And I can relate to this and I'm sure you guys can as well. Absolutely. And what's important here, and I mentioned at the beginning, but I really want to emphasize this again, is this takes a lot of emotional intelligence and practice to be able to navigate through, okay, what's, how do I understand myself, my thoughts, my emotions, and what's going on? And, and I wanted to take a minute and talk about the difference between thoughts, feelings, and emotions. This is something that seems like common knowledge, but actually not a lot of people know because you can say, hey, how does that make you feel? And they go sad. But feeling is actually a bodily sensation. So thoughts is what is going on cognitively. What am I thinking about? What's going on in the brain? Feelings are body sensations. It's that pit in your stomach, the tightness in your chest the sweaty hands, the shaking that you get, and emotions are the meaning you put to those thoughts and feelings. This makes me feel anxious. This is sadness, anger, frustration, disgust, whatever it is. And, and so just for an example, you guys, say I found out I was doing something wrong at work. What would happen is my mind would go, oh, crap. I messed up. And for me, it's a belief system of I'm not good enough or I failed or something. I did something wrong. I'm going to be, I'm going to get in trouble, right? And what happens is I get this, it's right beneath my rib cage, right? Kind of where they come together. It's like this pit and this like whole sinking feeling. And what happens is I don't feel it in my upper chest, but my heart starts to race as well. And I tend to get more tense through my shoulders and also um, through my abdomen as well. And so that is the body sensation. That is what I'm feeling. And the emotions that are associated with that is stress. I'm flustered, overwhelmed. And, and it's, so it's important to be able to identify all these things, right? So why am I feeling that way? So I want to give you guys three questions to ask yourself. What am I feeling? thoughts, feelings, and emotions, what's going on, why am I feeling it, and what can I do about it? Okay, so say I'm, I'm all nervous about something that happened at work, and instead of panicking and jumping to conclusions, I can talk to my supervisor, I can talk to my boss, that's why she's there, right? And I want you guys to get used to that process of what am I feeling, like what's going on for me, why is it here, and then what can I do about it? And that is the recipe, the basic foundational recipe that I want you to follow for you to feel your emotions and process your thoughts without spiraling. 
that's the recipe, okay? And you can ask yourself more questions than that, and I can get into some more of those questions, like, is this helpful? Is this accurate? Is it true? Would I say this to someone else? Is it life or death? Is it that big of a deal? Am I overthinking some things? Am I having any cognitive distortions right now? Things like that nature, right? Just what's going on? Why am I feeling it? And what can I do about it? I think we live in a society where we kind of try and mask or hide our feelings. Um, and I think it's important, as you've mentioned before, to normalize what you're feeling and be like, yeah, I'm feeling this way, but okay, what can I do about it? So it's almost like they accept what reality is and say, so what? You know, what's what's the purpose? What's the take home? What am I going to do about this? So always, okay, I'm feeling X. So what? Absolutely. And something you said here that's really important is to normalize it. Like anxiety and stress and overwhelm sadness are not bad emotions. You may not like to feel them because of the things that are associated with them. But ultimately, they are not bad emotions. They are not going to hurt you. And in fact, they they teach us a lot. And that's why it's important that we don't avoid them. And the very fact that you're feeling those quote unquote less desirable emotions shows you that you once at one point also felt joy, happiness, excitement, all those things that you tend to prefer to feel. But if you don't have like the yin and yang of life and the multidimensional complexities, life's boring and it's flat. And I always joke with my clients, I go, Okay, so you're telling me you just got laid off from your job and you're upset about feeling anxious and stressed. If you weren't anxious and stressed, we would have a much bigger problem on our hands. Oh, you just got out of a 30-year relationship hmm. and you're really sad and depressed? I would be concerned if you weren't, right? And and so what it's important to realize here is it's okay to have these less desirable feelings, but let's keep them managed let's keep them framed appropriately essentially and how to do that is processing yeah like we're talking about guys in wrapping up we wanted to talk about exactly the how-to and that is the practical step yes. diving into number one. First step is self-awareness it is the <laughs> self-awareness is so key guys honestly being aware of where you currently stand um in in being honest and specifically understanding what your rumination tends to sound like. I always tell people, your anxiety, your depression, it shows all of its cards up first, up front. Like, it's not hiding anything. And I, and I joke with people, I'm like, since that first panic, has anything really changed? No. It's the same thing in different words. Over and over and over again. And so you need to understand what ruminating sounds like to you and what your what does your body do? What thoughts do you tend to have? What emotions are tend to be there? And becoming really aware of what that looks like for you. And because then that's half the battle, to be honest, <laughs> is to be self-aware. Okay. But number two is no self-labeling. This is a cognitive distortion, but what happens when you ruminate is you often label, label yourself of, I'm dumb, I'm worthless, no one likes me, all these different self-labeling things. And that is rumination 101. 
it's also a thinking error. And so we have to pivot out of that. That's rule number two, no self-labeling. Rule number three is no vague statements. No like, I'm so stupid or I can't believe I did this. No one's going to like me. Make it specific. I feel stupid because I missed my work meeting. I want to make sure that doesn't happen again, right? You're not stupid because you did that, but why? Make it very specific. And then the next one, number four, is ask what questions instead of why questions. Why did this happen? Why can't I do this right? Why does nobody like me? Why can't I get a job? Why, why, why? And start thinking, what can I do to increase my options? What can I do to resolve this problem? What can I do to make more friends? Or what can I do to be a better partner? Whatever it is, fill in the blank. And then the last one is no thinking without action. Okay, if it doesn't propel you to something, don't think it. Okay, just that's rumination and processing. Remember, it is action. It is movement. It is progression. Sometimes I struggle a lot with that. Um, I'll get caught in a thought or a feeling or an emotion, all the three that we've talked about, and I'll I'll get stuck there and I'll stop, right? Uh, Hopefully you guys can relate to that. But what Emily's saying here, what I need to work on, what we all need to work on, what she needs to work on, right? But we need to work on the, what I'm thinking is leading me to something. What I'm thinking right now, what I'm feeling, what emotion I have is leading me to something. It always has to lead to something, whether that's a thinking something or moving towards something or taking action towards something, but to something. Always ask yourself, so what? Mm -hmm. Keep moving, stay in motion, take action. When in doubt, just move. Move or take a mental break if you need to. If you need to shelf it for a minute and come back to to it later. Because you are moving away from it (laughs) in some some way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It is a form of actually processing effectively. So um, thank you guys so much for tuning in that they please apply these steps. They will make a tremendous difference. I hope you had your little pen and paper, you guys, because um, these things, when applied appropriately, will make a difference. And please share our episodes, subscribe to our podcast, leave us reviews. We're growing and we really appreciate your support. And thank you for tuning in today. And remember to tune in next week.